Hey, I hope you're having a great day today. Super thankful to connect in with you. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor of Mountain Park Church in Niagara Falls, Canada. And you're listening to the Mountain Park Church podcast. So 2024 for us, the prophetic word we feel God has called us into. This is something that's prayed over and discerned through at length, um, usually late summer, fall of the year before. So summer and fall of 2023, this is something our leadership prayed into and discerned over time. We believe the prophetic word for the life of our church this year is consecrated. Now, I don't know if we should call this season zero even uh, in the life of our church. We. Without being hyperbolic, we believe that God is calling us into a once in a generation shift into something new, not something better than what he's done in the past, something different and something new. And that this year for us is to be a year of preparation in the form of consecration. We are going to be spending a ton of time this year um, in structure and strategy and in uh, building the framework to be able to run in the vision that God has called us into. If you wanna hear more about that, you can listen to our Vision 2030 series that happened back in the fall of 2023 last year. But this is a year of consecration. And I mentioned this at the start of our first episode this year, and I'll mention it again, one of the, the biggest lessons I've been learning in the last four to five years is that small shifts of consistency over time, small things done consistently over time produce way more fruit, uh, way more powerful results than a big sort of splash in the pan that dies out quickly. And trust me, I'm a guy, my natural personality and tendency is to do big, extravagant, extreme things. I love the rush of that, like I'm gonna make a huge commitment or I'm gonna do this massive thing. And the Spirit is teaching me, Andrew, I would rather you do small things consistently over time that can be measured not in moments, but in decades. That's what I'm learning and that's what we're inviting you into this year. We're turning the corner a little bit. Pastor Brenda is about to speak and we are starting a short series called For Renewal. We are going to explore the very last phrase of the mission and slash vision statement that we believe God has given us to live the way of Jesus for the renewal of Niagara. We're going to spend the next number of weeks exploring what we mean by that word renewal. So without further ado, this is Pastor Brenda as we open up this series called For Renewal. When God created the world, I think it's beautiful when you read the story of creation. Actually, uh, Mark and I went to the Sight and Sound Theater, I guess it's called in Pennsylvania. And the first time we ever went there, we saw the play called In the Beginning. And it was 
beautiful how they had uh, set this stage and, and opened it up in creation. There was a huge ball that came down from this, this, the, I don't know, the ceiling. <laughs> it was all dark. It was like, that was the earth. And, and as things began to open up, the whole front and the sides open up. And it was, a, it was a picture of the garden and it was beautiful. And the, the trees in the middle, the tree of life, and it was like crystal it, 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 and they lit it. It was just like the most beautiful thing I had ever seen. It was beautiful. And when we read God's uh, story in Genesis, the account of creation, there is a beautiful way that he created everything in its order and in its time to support the next thing that was coming. All beautifully set and crafted in the right place in our solar system. Everything set in its perfect order and its perfect place for the crowning achievement of all creation, mankind so that we would have a beautiful place to thrive, something that meets every need that we have. He first created the land and then divided land and sea and the heavens. And then he started to, pl to plant things. He, he brought forth plants and animals and then finally man in this perfect environment for us to live in perfect relationship with him. And God looked at his creation and he said, it's good. Everything that he created, he said, was good. In fact, he said, it's very good. It's very good. Everything that he created was very good. And everything that he created was for us in this beautiful and perfect environment called the garden. And we refer to Eden as just the garden. And everyone knows that that's like the place, the place where we would all wish we could be to walk in the presence of God and to experience that beauty that the world was like at the beginning of creation. And in the garden, or I guess I should say the garden represents for us how things should be. Whenever we refer to that in messages or in scripture, when we refer to the garden, it's like the way things should be, the way they were designed to be, the way they were created to be. Mankind was created in God's image and likeness, walking in perfect harmony and relationship with God, the creator, carrying the rule and reign of the earth carrying the rule of the heavenly realms in the earth under direct relationship and conversation with God. And this is how it was meant to be. We were living in our true identity and purpose in connection and unity with the king, blissfully unaware of any other story. Adam and Eve, you stop and think about this for a minute. We know the rest of the story. They didn't. They were just completely unaware, like children, completely unaware that there was another story, that there was maybe another narrative, that there was maybe something else to believe outside of their perfect relationship with God. And in comes the serpent. And he introduces to them a new narrative. He introduces to them a new story. One that's filled with seeds of doubt. It's filled with deception. 
and it entices them to try something different. It entices them away from what God has set for them, what God has said was good for them, what God had provided for them. And it calls them into a different story. So Adam and Eve are deceived by this alternative narrative, one that is introduced to them by someone we know throughout scripture as the father of lies. He always lies because it's all he knows what to do. He is full of deception. And he steps into their story that is completely true and innocent and blissful. And he enters it with lies and deceit. And we've been living under the weight of that, the same circumstance as that ever since. The seeds of doubt that were planted in Adam and Eve's mind were meant to kill relationship with God. They were meant to sever relationship because as soon as we start to doubt, relationship goes south. As soon as we start to wonder what someone's intentions are towards us, the relationship is, is gonna hit some sort of plateau or end. There's no trust involved anymore. So the seeds of doubt that the enemy was sowing were to destroy the relationship that Adam and Eve had with their creator. The Bible says that he came to steal, kill, and destroy everything that God created. And Adam and Eve fall prey to this story and everything comes under the weight of sin. But instantly, instantly, renewal is on God's heart and on his mind. Instantly. He doesn't miss a beat. He covers Adam and Eve a foreshadowing of what Christ was going to do years and years and years later. He covers them and he ushers them out of the garden. And I think sometimes we misunderstand this story, right? We, we have that maybe childhood image of these great big angels standing guard, like don't come in here. Like it's this terrible thing. But if you read the narrative in scripture, God said, wait a sec, they can't eat from the tree of life and stay like this forever. I'm starting a plan of renewal. So I need to get them away from that tree so they don't eat that too, to protect them until my plan is finished. And before the gates of that garden are ever shut, renewal is promised through the seed of Eve. The answer is promised. And so God's story begins. And we're only in chapter three of this beautiful book that is all about how God is crafting his story of renewal for everything that he created. The rest of this book is an unfolding story of God's renewal and rebuilding and restoration and redemption. We see these words all through scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And if you look at the book of Revelation at the end in chapters 21 and 22, you start to see 
the remake of what was in the beginning. We start to see a tree and a garden emerge. We start to see this beautiful imagery of God bringing everything back to the way it was meant to be. And those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life get to eat from that tree of life and have life restored to them the way it was meant to be, as God intended for it to be in Eden. It starts with two people but it ends with a countless multitude. Because of God's grace, he has invited us into his story. He has invited us to participate in his story of renewal right here, right now on earth. And what he started in the garden will come full circle when we see the end of Revelation happen. And while mankind has often followed our own story, our own narrative, our own twisted plot line of destruction. God's story has never, ever changed and it never will. God's story is true and right and good and beautiful. God's story is one that rights every single wrong and puts back everything into the proper order of how it was meant to be. It sets everything back to its proper identity and its proper purpose and how things were meant. God's story of the renewal of all things and the earth that he created, there is no plan B. There is no plan B. It's not going to change. He doesn't have an alternative ending to this story. He hasn't changed his mind on what he wants to do. His promises that he made all throughout this book, all through the Old Testament, through the person of Jesus, all of this is going to come true. God hasn't changed his plan. And when he puts his plan in motion, He chooses a people. We talked about this last week, and I think this is an important point. I want to come back to it again this week. Is that God's plan was always to use a people. He started that in the garden with Adam and Eve. And immediately when his plan starts to move into motion, as we see in scripture, he sets apart for himself a people a people with the hope that these people would stand out in the world as God's people, that they would live differently, as we we were saying earlier, an uncommon life, and that everyone who looked at them and the way that they lived and the way that they conducted themselves, they would look at this nation of people and go, there must be a good God somewhere because of how he's caring for them and how they live that's so different from the rest of the world. That there would be a people who stand out in this world, carrying the kingdom rule of God, carrying his character and his nature, carrying his truth in the middle of all of the lies that we encounter, carrying his heart for people everywhere. So the Israelites were God's first chosen people. He always wants to work through a people, but the Israelites were the ones he chose first. And we see their, their story throughout the Old Testament scripture. There are people who are meant to carry and demonstrate God's kingdom in this world. But in the midst of the fallen and chaotic world that we live in, we have a tendency to forget our true story. 
And sometimes we forget what we've been called out to be a part of. God said we have stubborn hearts and a tendency to forget. And it's true, we do. We get pulled away by so many things. And every time the Israelites strayed, God always reminded them of their story. He always reminded them. Through the prophets, we see this over and over and over. The Israelites stray. They're in exile or some sort of destruction has happened to their nation because of their wayward ways, because they're taking on the culture of the nations around them, because they're living an alternative story. They've bought into the lies that it would be better. The grass is greener. And so they're living a different way. And we see destruction come upon them. And then God says, listen, there is a different story. You've forgotten it. I love you. I found you. I created you into a nation. I made you into my people. I brought you out of slavery. I brought you through the Red Sea by a miracle. I destroyed your enemies in front of you. I protected you and provided for you in the wilderness. And I brought you into a promised land. And all that so that I could prove my love to you, that I could show you how much I care about you and my power towards you. I am your God and you are my people. This is what God was constantly reminding the Israelites of. Oh yeah, we forgot and back they come. We talked about this last week. His call was always just come back to me. Come back to me. I haven't changed. I haven't moved. Nothing is different than it was before. I know you stray. I know you believe something different. I know you have doubts and fears, but just come back to me. I'm still your God and you're still my people. He was constantly reminding them of their story. He was constantly reminding them of what was true. And then we see that Jesus comes on the scene and he comes as the Messiah to fulfill the prophecies, but he comes with a brand new sense of renewal. He comes with a brand new idea of what renewal looks like for God's people. And he begins to do miracles. Jesus didn't just talk about renewal. He didn't just talk about things being set right. He did it. He demonstrated it in everything that he did. Blind eyes are opened. Deaf ears are opened. Things are set right. Everything that Jesus touches becomes clean and whole. Lepers are cleansed. People are healed. Everything that he touches begins to reverse the curse that had come on mankind. It begins to reverse the things that shifted after the fall of man. He begins to bring things back to the way they should be. And everything Jesus touched was renewed. His miracles demonstrate the nature of God's kingdom, the reversal of everything that was brought on by the fall. Everything that was touched by sin is now touched by the power of God. The enemy may have come to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said, I have come to destroy the works of the enemy and to reverse that curse and to set right everything that was wrong. 
Sin has a corrosive, invasive, sort of permeable substance to it. But God's love and grace is even more permeable. Everything that it touches is set right. The invasive power of the kingdom of God begins to touch everything as Jesus is on the earth. And his disciples see like, what? Like, we're not supposed to touch a leper because then we'll be defiled. But there Jesus goes and touches him and makes him clean. He begins to set everything back towards this pattern and the story of renewal. And he brought new life to us. Through his death and resurrection, we can experience new life that touches everything in us that was affected by the fall and by sin. And we are invited to participate in God's unraveling story, the story of the renewal of all things. And the church is now God's people. And we just talked about that as the Israelites were God's chosen people in the Old Testament. We as the church, all nations, all people are invited to be part of God's story and be the people who would carry the nature and character of his kingdom here on earth now to demonstrate through our own lives that there is a good God in heaven who loves you and has a different story for your life. A story of renewal. And we are called to actually carry this in this season, in this dispensation of time. The church are the ones who are called to carry God's kingdom rule through our own lives and into the world around us. We are called to demonstrate the kingdom of God until the king returns. That's our purpose in this season. That's who we have been called out to be. In Matthew 19, 28, Jesus refers to the renewal of all things. He talks about a time that is coming <clears throat> when everything will be made new. Everything. This word that he uses for renewal there is a compound word in the Greek, palingenes. It means palin again and genesis, the beginning. I'm going to begin again. And everything will be set back to how it was meant to be in the beginning. When the renewal of all things happens. In Acts 3, Peter picks up and expresses this same thought. He's talking about Jesus. And he says, heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he has promised to do long ago through the prophets. When you read Revelation 21 and you see the idea of a new heaven and a new earth, that's not the first time we read that in scripture. Isaiah talked about a new heaven and a new earth. I can see it coming. There's something coming that you can't even imagine. It's so good. And God is going to set everything right the way that it was meant to be. And then we see in Revelation 21, the one who's seated on the throne says, behold, I make everything new. He didn't say, I'm making all new things. He said, I'm making all things new. I'm taking what I have created that has fallen under the weight and the burden of sin, and I am making it 
new. I am renewing everything. He is renewing what was created. And this is our hope. This is the hope that we have as Christians. This is the hope that is the anchor for our soul. As it says in Hebrews 6, 19, we have this hope as an anchor for our souls, firm and secure. This is the hope that we hold on to is that God doesn't change and he doesn't lie and he doesn't go back on his promises and he is making all things new. And it begins with us in our lives, inside of our lives here and now and is expressed through us into the world around us. And until the king comes back, until he comes home, we are holding the fort with our rule and reign, an extension of his kingdom here. That's why we're called ambassadors of the kingdom of God, because we're holding the identity. We're holding the purpose of the kingdom of heaven within ourselves. And we are meant to be expressing it into the world around us. This is a beautiful reality that we have called, been called into. And this is a hope for us that never changes, that God is still at work and he will finish what he started. This is the thing that helps us to endure suffering and hardship in our lives because we hold hope. This is the thing that holds us when life gets hard is that we have a hope that things are going to be better, that things are gonna be set right, that they're gonna be renewed. We have this hope when people hurt us and mistreat us. It's okay. I still have hope. God is still at work in my life and yours. It's okay. There is hope for renewal of all things. We hold on to this story, our truth, that we belong to a God who redeems and restores and rebuilds and renews. That is his nature and his character. And there is no one who is too far gone. There is no situation that is outside of his reach. There is no wrong that can't be set right. And there is no wound that cannot be healed. This is our unshakable hope. This is the hope that we have in Christ. That we can trust in the redemptive nature of God. We can trust his kindness and his goodness towards his people. We can trust his faithfulness towards us to renew everything in our lives that is wrong. Paul says in Romans 12, I'm going to read this scripture from Paul. He talks about being transformed by the renewing of our mind. We all know this scripture, but I want to settle here just for a minute because I think that this is a really important place where renewal begins for us as believers. Romans 12, 2 says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, good, pleasing, and perfect will. I believe that if we are going to see renewal in our own lives, it begins in our thought life. And it begins with what we believe about ourselves, otherwise known as our identity because we've all bought into a lot of lies and a lot of deception and a lot of seeds of doubt of the enemy. 
and we begin to believe things about ourselves, about our relationship with other people and our relationship with God that are not true. They're not his story. They're a story that is informed by this world. Notice how Paul says not to be, um, sorry, I scrolled ahead. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't be like everyone else. Don't allow your thoughts to be formed like everyone else's are. Just by the experiences and the things around them and the things that people say to them. Let your mind, let your thoughts be transformed by my truth. Renew your mind in my truth. Listen, if we want to be the kind of people who carry renewal to our families, in our church, and our community, then we need to be the kind of people who will let God renew our own thought life and our identity and what we believe about ourselves. The transformation of the world starts in here. It starts with what I believe, my perspectives, my mindsets, what I think as I'm laying in bed falling asleep at night or what keeps me up from falling asleep. The attitudes of my heart, how I feel about other people, how I feel about how they treat me. These are the truths that we actually live by, what we believe about ourselves. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What we believe and think in our heart is going to produce the actions of how we live in our life. We're going to act and react to the things around us based on what we actually believe about our identity, based on what we believe about who we are and where we fit in this world. And if that's been informed by what a teacher or a coach said about you, if it's informed by your childhood and how you grew up and maybe things that other mean people said to you, things that were said in your own home, what a bully said to you one day in the schoolyard, if that's the main rhetoric that's going through your mind, it's not the truth of who God has called you to be. But so often we rehearse these stories in our mind. And we can have good days where we don't think about this stuff, you know, and it's all positive and good and yeah, everything's going great. But as soon as something gets hard or the stress comes on or someone triggers us in some way, we can quickly go down this road of being not enough of fear and worry and anxiety of spinning out on trying to fix everything or control things. We all have a rhetoric in our mind. Many of us believe a story or a narrative that just isn't true. We believe the lies of the enemy. We tell ourselves that it's hopeless sometimes. We tell ourselves that we're never going to be enough I always do this. This always happens. I'm always rejected. I'm always abandoned. And we build evidence and cases to support our stories. Because every time that thing gets hit again in our life, every time another person walks away, the enemy goes, see, I told you. They're always going to walk away. You're always going to be abandoned. That's what people do. And so we go, yeah, you know what? You're right, because this keeps happening. It must be right. And we base our whole thought pattern and what we believe about ourselves in this world on the feelings that we encounter from other broken people. 
not on what God says about us or the truth that is found in his word about his people. There's a lot of things that maybe we even keep, kept, keep hidden deep inside, shrouded in shame. If people only knew, maybe that's your rhetoric. Oh, if people only knew what I was really like. We have such broken stories. And if our, our identity, what we actually believe about ourselves is informed more by wounds and brokenness than by what God says about us, we're living a lie. We're living a narrative that just isn't the truth. I think one of the most important things we can do is learn to slow down our minds. We often live by patterns that we are completely unaware of. I realized uh, it was probably about eight years ago, uh, maybe a little bit more. I was working in ministry and I realized that I was struggling emotionally. And everything that was happening, and no matter what kind of meeting it was, no matter what was being said, I was spiraling out on thoughts and feelings that were like overwhelming me on the inside. And then I would just shut down, peace out, and pull away. And my reaction was just to work harder. Because, you know, that's what we're told. You work hard, you get through stuff, whatever. Just hunker down, work hard, get through. I wasn't tending to the story that I was telling myself inside of my own heart. I wasn't tending to my own identity. I wasn't tending to the truth inside of my own heart. And it took someone to come into my life and walk with me in a healing journey for those thoughts and perspectives that were deep in my heart to come up to the surface so that I could actually look at them and go, I believe that because often these are, are so deeply embedded in our heart. We don't even know that we're believing them. If anyone asked me what is true, I could quote them the Bible. I could say, I'm chosen. I'm loved. I know God is at the center of my life. Like I, I know the truth. I know the truth, but I don't know the truth in my heart. I know it in my head but my experience is telling me something different. It's telling me I need to clam up and run. It's telling me I need to get away from this. I'm reacting out of something that's deeply embedded in my belief system that I didn't even know was there. And it wasn't until this came up to the surface and I could look at it for what it was, I realized that I was living a lot of my life in insecurity and fear. I was living so much of my life thinking that other people didn't want to hear what I had to say. And that hurt. I was living my life feeling rejected for the most part, just because I was a woman, which is something I can't change. And over this healing journey, I began to realize that as a little girl growing up with four older brothers, and there's a bit of an age gap, eight years, and then I'm the baby. The constant message to me was that girls are annoying. And I believe that because for the most part, they are. 
I thought they were. I wanted to hang out with the boys. I was always friends with boys. I was always hanging out with groups of boys because I felt most comfortable with that because I grew up with boys. But at the same time, I was constantly receiving the message that being a girl was not enough. Like you can hang out with us as long as you don't cry. Well, for a seven-year-old girl, that's hard sometimes when you're hanging out with older boys. <laughs> and so somewhere deep in my heart, I believed this message that just being me wasn't enough. And then God calls me into ministry and I'm put in rooms that are filled with a lot of men. And unfortunately, a lot of poor teaching about what it means to have women in leadership. And these wounds kept being hit in my heart. And all I know is I feel like a seven-year-old girl again. And I want to go to the bathroom and cry because <laughs> it hurts. I believe every single one of us lives with these deeply embedded thought patterns and beliefs about ourselves that just aren't true. But we don't ever slow down enough to bring them up to the surface and analyze them for what they are and bring them to Jesus and ask for his truth. And the lies that we believe the easiest and the most are the ones that have just a tiny bit of truth in them. Just a tiny bit. Girls are different than boys. That's true. This isn't phys ed class, so I'm not going to go any further than that. That's true. But that shouldn't take away from the value of a woman. Her voice is still meant to be heard. She still matters. I wonder today what lies you've believed about yourself, about your identity and about your place in this world. What you assume other people think about you. Where does your thought life go when you get under stress or things get a little bit difficult? Where do your thoughts quickly go? Just think about that for a sec. Where do you rehearse yourself? Are you one of those should have people? Oh, I, I should have done this and I should have done that and I could have controlled it this way and I, that wouldn't have got out of control. Are you one of those people? Or do you go straight to worry and fear? Oh, disastrous and it's going to be a nightmare and this and that. What is the rhetoric in your mind? Does it line up with God's word? Does it line up with his hopeful story of renewal for you and the people around you? Does it line up with the truth that you are loved and chosen by him? Does it line up with the truth that he found you and he called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light and that he loves you and has a purpose for your life? Or does it line up with what a lot of broken people have said and made you believe about yourself? It's worth discovering. It's worth thinking about this a little bit because God has a different story. One where your identity is renewed in his truth and you have a different view of yourself. One that is saturated by grace. And when we start to see ourselves in that way, through the lens of hope and renewal, we'll start to be able to bring that 
to the rest of the world because we start to see things the way God sees them. We start to see things. We start to look at problems as opportunities. We start to look at everything that is difficult as a platform and a space for God to bring his work of renewal and redemption. And that gives us great hope. It gives us great hope. When our identity is secure and we know that we are chosen and we are loved by him and we stand in grace and we know that we make mistakes, but it's okay because he loves me and he's empowering me to continue to live better every day. There's no more secure place to be and to live your life out of. That's why we have this in the apprentice prayer. Let this be the anchoring point for my life, your great love for me. Let this be the place from which I live and move throughout my day. Don't ever let me forget this truth that I am deeply loved by you. We put that in there for a reason because we believe it's important and we put it at the beginning because I believe it's important to anchor our identity as children of God loved by him before anything else in our day. We have been called out for a purpose as I've said many times in this message, to participate in the redemptive work of God. And that is a forever calling. That is a forever calling. It will never change. God's plan for you to rule and reign with him, to carry his kingdom in this world will never change. That's what he's called you into. And we get to participate in that right here and right now. Listen, I believe the church, I see the church, I, I saw this picture years ago and I still hold on to this because I believe it is so true. The church is like a sleeping giant in our day. And I don't believe the story that the church should hunker down and cover up and just wait for our king to come and save us. I'm sorry, he's already done that. It's time, I believe, for the church to rise up, to know her true identity and to be who God has called her to be and to step out in this world and rise up from the chaos carrying peace and gentleness and kindness and love that doesn't come from this world. It comes from another kingdom and to carry that into this world and to rise up out of the chaos and be the people that God has called us to be. He's not coming back to save us. He already did that. He's coming home to his people. And until he does, and until he sits on the throne with the new heaven and the new earth and everything is finally com complete, we are called to carry this hope in this season for us and for the people around us. That's what renewal is all about. The heart of God for humanity and this earth. And we get to participate in that. What a blessing. So my question for you today is just, Simply this, is there any area of your life where you have lost hope? Where you realize that maybe you're believing a story about yourself that is hopeless? Maybe there's someone you love and you think they've gone too far. Maybe there's a situation in your life that you think will never be rectified. It's too broken, it's too far gone. Maybe there's an area where you have just struggled to find God's truth. You've struggled with that, that rhetoric in your own head, your story that you tell yourself, and you can't seem to get victory over that. 
Is there a place in your life that feels hopeless today? All right, so we just want to invite you into a few moments of lingering time with the Spirit. Again, we want to call you to move beyond just collecting and ingesting content to actually allowing the Holy Spirit to deeply process with you, to speak to you. And it doesn't matter what you're doing right now, what's going on around you, whether you're walking um, or you're in the car or you're at the mall or at the gym on the treadmill, doesn't matter what you're doing. I wanna call you to take a risk. And maybe you're sitting there going, ah, this won't work. I'm, this, is, this is not gonna happen. I wanna call you into a moment of faith. And I want to just invite you to pick up where Pastor Brenda left off and ask the Holy Spirit, what is it you want to say to me right now about those things? What is it you want me to hear from you right now? We're gonna give you a few minutes. Just let the music play and allow the Spirit to speak to you. Thank you. 